0: What does 25 cents back on every purchase mean to you? A free lunch? That gadget you've been eyeing. A night out with the fellas. With your Premise Perks checking account, you get 25 cents back with every purchase using your debit card and zero ATM, overdraft, or annual fees. With this completely free account, you can watch the money roll in with every swipe and find the freedom to go further with your cash. Premise, the bank that gets it right. Primus is a member FDIC. ATM transactions do not count towards debit card rewards.
1: The Big Bark, listen up dog owners, it's for you, all you canine lovers. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host, Dara Burke, and canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie. The Big Bark.
0: Welcome to another episode of The Big Bark, the show where we are crazy your dogs, our dogs, and dogs everywhere. I'm your host Burke, and join me as always I'm Kane and co-host Bruno Millie who are too lazy to actually come in front of the computer and in front of the microphone as always. So the last few weeks have been a bit crazy. Uh, new episode after new episode week on week so it's been kind of tiring as well. But we've had great feedback from our last few episodes. We had Cheryl Matters from Fetch Date in Indiana and bestseller of Leashes and Lovers uh on with her's there two weeks ago and we had Annie Grossman from the school of dogs last week. Now this week we are back on Irish soil again and we are absolutely thrilled to welcome back. He's been a guest on the show back in Christmas 2020 for uh all of for Christmas. Uh he is one of the ambassadors for Madra. You may know him from Ireland AM or the RTE TV show and it's an absolute honor to have this awesome man here today, who does so much for animals across Ireland, Pete Wedderburn. Pete,
1: welcome to the Big Back. Thanks very much for having me back, Dara. Great to be here. Absolutely, And Pete, you have your own podcast, to course, as well. Yeah, we do indeed. Um, We've taken a bit of a summer pause on that. Um, uh, We'll be starting again for too long. Yeah, that's with Pet Fix Club, which is my my website. Um, And um, we launched that last November. And so that's... keep. Keep me busy, along with being a vet in practice in Bray. So those are my, I suppose, two main projects that I that I'm involved with.
0: So, Pete, I know like last December when we had you on, you chat a bit about Perfect Club, and for anyone who like is not familiar with yourself or Perfect Perfect Club, tell us
1: a bit about it. Okay, well, I, I suppose what Pet Fix Club is is a, a natural development of what my life's work has been, which has been essentially. Spreading information, good quality information about pets, um, through the media, and so you know I I, I write regular newspaper columns, um, regional newspapers in Ireland, uh, the the Daily Telegraph in the UK, um, and. Uh, more recently, I've, uh, the last six months, I've been writing a weekly column in the Examiner every Monday. So I've always been talking about pets in in, in newspapers, and I've been I've done television for for uh, over twenty years now. Uh, between way back Echo Islands on, on on RTE, and then I was the Iron am vet for many years, and then more recently I was in the Day Show on RTE. So I've been in television, and I've also been doing radio through through. Um, most recently through News Talk and Pat Kenny Show. So, all of those um, ways of using, if you like, the mass media to spread good quality information about pets. And so, really, I guess I realized that the way, just in the same way that all of the other sort of representations of, of information have changed from traditional models to using the internet, whether it's movies being streamed or whether it's newspapers going online, or whether it's podcasts like this. Um, everything has gone through the internet. So I decided to set up, if you like, um, a website that did my job of working as a vet in the media, but through the internet, uh, through a website. Um, and that's really what, what Pet Fix Club is. So what happens is people sign up, and they can sign up for free for a month, so they can see what it's like. Uh, and I'd encourage anybody to do that um and there are really there's three i suppose pillars of pet fix club the first one being um an online library of resources so if you want to know about cruciate disease or lumps and bumps on your dog or diabetes on in your cat whatever you you can find um articles that are written on these topics and uh, also we've done a couple of hundred of really professional videos explaining some of the more complex issues that pets get so there's a library uh, uh, full of all that stuff Um, then as well as that we have an online shop um, uh, uh, basically a pet shop you can get anything that you want for your pet and then the third aspect is I suppose um, an element of personalized pet care uh, uh, um, and that involves Um, things like a triage tool so it helps you work out if you need to take your pet to the vet Um, there's a um, personalized pet planner which I love which is basically the 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 website asks you about 50 questions you can do them bit by bit or all at once and at the end of it it gives you color-coded recommendations as to what you need to do to give your your pet their best life and that, can, that would be, green would mean you're doing everything absolutely bang on. So you're walking a dog twice a day, you're brushing its teeth regularly, blah, blah, blah. Um, amber means there's a few tweaks you need to do. Um, and red means you really need to take urgent action. So if you haven't wormed your dog for two years, you really really need to do it. So the the, the pet personalized, the personalized pet planner helps people work out and what they need to do to give their pet their best life. And the third part then of, of the pet care section which has turned out actually to be the most popular part of the website is an ask a vet question. Um, and what that means is people um if they've got a query of any kind about their pet, they type it into the, into the website uh and they, they click on send and usually within an hour I'll get back to them with a response. As a personal response from me basically giving them feedback on just in general the best way to, to approach the problem that they're dealing with. Um, it absolutely doesn't take place of going to the vet i think you always need to go to the vet for serious problems there's no doubt about that what people sometimes wonder about is do i need to go to the vet with this problem or they might um, go to the vet and they might say well you know the vet said this what does that mean you know um because vets we're all busy as vets and sometimes it's um it's difficult to give everybody all the information that they want to know in a 15-minute consultation or they may come home from the consultation they might go what was that about again so I basically help people fill in the gaps of, of knowledge um, and sometimes that's just for my own knowledge other times I'll refer them to, to to really good websites that I know that give them the information it's very hard as a pet owner to, to, to navigate the internet um, I've, I've always found that if I if I google um, a common pet problem I know that the websites that I get taken to aren't the best ones to give the information because um what people what happens with websites these days is people who run the websites tend to stuff them with search with keywords and so on uh, and so the ones the websites that come up to the top tend to be ones that are, people have invested in making them popular and often that's because people want to sell something and so you know what i know is i know what's a really helpful information type website so i would refer people to those really helpful websites rather than what search engines tend to push them towards. So that, that I suppose, is in essence what, what Pet Fix Club is. Um, and people can use those facilities and they can send as many ask questions as they want. And what we do is we charge, after the first three months, we charge them €7 Euros a month. Oh, as well as that, by the way, they get discounted prices in the pet shops. So in my mind, what happens is... Essentially, it pays for itself because if they buy their food and their other things they need for their pet, then they'll get the money back anyway through the discounts. So that's really how it works.
0: That's pretty cool. And like, I I know myself. I've used it like, a couple of times myself, and I definitely need to buy a few things like for Bruno, Millie after after store as well because like I've looked at sort of such a huge array of products on the store. Yeah. So, Pete, like you've been a vet for years and I think there's a couple of different topics that we want to talk about today and one of those is I suppose especially amongst maybe older dogs it's um and not even just dogs it's like cats as well and it's one that we were talking about before we came on air like there in via email a couple weeks ago and it's like canine and feline cognitive disorder so for anyone Mm. who doesn't actually understand what this is would you mind explaining exactly what that is?
1: Well, I suppose the easiest way to describe it is dementia in, in pets. And just as dementia, I mean, dementia is incredibly common in humans. Um, something like 50% of, of us, if once we reach the age 85, about 50% of us will develop dementia. It's that common. It's astonishingly common. Um, and it also is that common in, in older dogs and cats. And it's something which is often not recognised as such. Um, people often just think that their older pet is is getting old and changing because they're getting old. What we know now um, from more observation and also, importantly, from more dynamic imaging, in other words, doing special types of MRI scans of dogs' and cats' brains, we know that they suffer similar types of changes to the brain that humans with dementia do. And if you analyse pets' behaviour they show similar types of behavioural changes. Now, they can't express themselves, they can't talk, obviously, so they can't, it's not maybe as obvious um, that they they can't remember who you are, you know? Um, But once you bear in mind, once you have in your mind, um, yes, my pet may have dementia, you can then understand why they're behaving differently. Um, And then there are some treatments that can help that a little bit, Um, uh, but I think probably more importantly, Pet owners can understand what's happening, and understanding what's happening is the best way, best first stage to actually dealing with it.
0: And that's very true because, like, obviously, like, okay, like, you hear of different dogs around the world who, like, have managed to understand maybe there's one or two dogs around the world who understand maybe 2,000 words of the English English language, but Mm. that's only like a handful of dogs. Most dogs, like, if you're speaking English, somebody don't understand and their like language is like say not just barking, it's like calming signals and like other forms of like body language to give off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as humans we don't understand it. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like
1: how communicate communication is definitely a big issue between us and our dogs. It really is. Um we're getting much better at it. There's a actually there's a really good book I've got here. I don't know if you come across this one. It's by somebody called zazie todd and it's called wag the science of making your dog happy and a lot of this book is it's basically it's 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 like a um, it's all about things like motivation and training and um how dogs interact with people how dogs are social um uh, what you can do to make your dog happier when they go to the vet and it's all about I'd say a lot of this is about communication, about communicating with dogs effectively, because we're not very good at it. We tend to, we tend to treat them like little people, so we tend to repeat saying the same phrase to them all the time, as if they'll suddenly understand it, but of course they don't, because they're not little people. So we need to learn to understand them and to treat them accordingly.
0: So, Pete, with like cognitive disorder. What are the signs really for
1: an, for an owner to watch out for? Well, I think the, the, the most, most obvious signs are visible changes in behaviour, changes. So you're looking for change. So um, I suppose you're talking about older pets, and that means dogs and cats over the age of 10, it can start, um, and certainly over the age of 15, I'd say it's, it's very, very common indeed. Um, and so, so the sorts of things would be Um, sleeping disorders so dogs might well they would start sleeping more Um, they might wake at the wrong time of day they lose their usual um, daily pattern so they might wake up at two in the morning and start barking Um, uh, and then they might sleep to lunchtime the next day so that's that's one part Um, uh, generally random vocalization is a big part of it as well so um, just barking a lot generally um, just for no particular reason you can work out. Um, then also losing spatial awareness so like normally if a dog wants to go out through the door they will go to the side of the door where they can go through when you open the door for them but what they will tend to do with, with, with cognitive 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 decline is they'll go to the side of the door where the hinges are where obviously they can't go through when you open the door so they just they get confused like that, um, what they will also do is they they will um, sometimes um, start to um, they'll they'll um, do things like just go and stand in the corner, just looking into the corner of the room for no particular reason. They'll just you know behave in a, an odd way like that. Their behaviour changes in that way. Um, they also often have. What We know also with humans with dementia, and actually, this is something I my, my, my own mother died of, of dementia um, some time ago, some years ago. And through her illness, I, I learned a lot about humans with dementia. And one of the things that I learned that may be obvious to listeners, maybe not, is that just to, I mean, what happens in dementia is the brain basically degenerates through due to various reasons, whether it's vascular causes or whether it's plaques forming or on the brain, or whether it's chronic inflammation, in the brain, whatever, the brain structure changes. And um, <clears throat> when the forebrain structure changes, people, you know, lose their, their reasoning and, and memory. But also, if structures of the brain that control our movements degenerate, then we have difficulty moving. So, So a lot of humans with dementia have severe mobility problems, and they end up eventually com- confined to bed because they can't they can't walk anymore, so the same thing applies in dogs. That they 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 have movement issues as well. They can't move like they like they used to move around. So they might stumble. They might have difficulty negotiating steps, not because they've got arthritis, which is what people might think, but because they're just not able to move their muscles in the same way. So so that's that's another big part of it. And then another, another area is is um is eating. Their eating habits change. They might not want to eat, or they might even eat ravenously um, uh, and hungrily. They, they might lose the, the usual control that the brain has on appetite. And so, so that can change as well. I think the most difficult for thing for owners is, is that I um I think that dogs do stop remembering who their owners are, just like humans with dementia forget so do dogs and so what owners will find is that a dog will just have a sort of distant view in their eye uh, and they they won't respond to their owners in the same way as they used to and this is very very upsetting for people because they just as as with humans with dementia you you lose the person before they die um, the same with your pet that you you lose your original pet because the animal doesn't recognize you anymore and they become a different animal um, uh, in in many ways, and that's that's a very difficult thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and like that's like that's obviously like something that it must be so much so upsetting for so many dog owners. Like if they own like the dog they've had for years doesn't recognize yeah. them, like that's got to be very yeah. upsetting. Like and it like is. you look yeah. at especially like last year, like the, I suppose like we look at the mental impact that COVID has had on a lot of people, and like something like that, like obviously like that has to have a profound like effect on someone's mental health as well. Like if their dog, if their own dog would have had for years, doesn't remember. Yes, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's difficult. It's not, it's not always so obvious because as I say, they can't talk. So they you know, you don't have those conversations. It's, it's more a behavioral change that people will notice. Um, so, so really it's, it's very broad and it, it, it you know, This mixed up also with other diseases of old age. So like often a a dog with cognitive decline will also have arthritis. So they'll be finding it difficult to go up steps for that reason as well. Um, And often there may be other underlying diseases like chronic renal disease or chronic liver disease. So you have these, what's called co-morbidities. In other words, different diseases happening at the same time, which can make quite a confusing picture. And that's one of the reasons why it's really important. You know, if you think your dog's got dementia, got cognitive decline you shouldn't just make that diagnosis and and presume that's what it is and and struggle on you should go to your vet because they will help they'll do a full assessment of your pet including most likely blood samples and maybe urine samples um and, and they'll help you work out you know is the cognitive decline the only issue or are there other issues as well that are making it more complex yeah, and
0: you mentioned, I suppose, you mentioned arthritis there. And I know one mm. things that we've been about there was like, you looked at the events in medicine, and you mentioned to me there's a lot of advances in, mm. especially in arthritis treatment.
1: Oh, listen, that's probably the biggest good news story around at the moment for dogs and for cats is like, for many, many years, the mainstay of treatment for arthritis has been a group of drugs known as non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, of which the most simple version would be aspirin, but there would also be a drug called Carprofen, which would be well known as Remedil or Canadril. There's lots of different generics of that particular drug. Another well-known one is meloxicam, And again, the, the well-known brand would be Metacam, but there's lots of other versions of it. So for many, many years, um, those drugs, they're really, really good at removing pain and inflammation um, and they have given many dogs many years of good life Um, there's a small downside well it can be a very big downside is that they can affect the liver and kidneys and they don't usually but there's a risk of that but nonetheless um they're great drugs um but if cabot exterior stain was a chair it'd be upholstered in rich full grain leather imported from italy Crafted with premium quality for over 140 years, Cabot is made to bring out the true character of wood and help it tell the story it was born to tell. Cabot, trusted by pros for over 140 years. Available at a retailer near you. What's happened this year is that a brand new way of treating arthritis was launched in the springtime. Um, And the, the brand name is... Librella and it's an injection that's given once a month and what it is is it's something called a monoclonal antibody and so what that means is that it's an antibody against um, a particular um, chemical in the blood called nerve growth factor nerve growth factor and what nerve growth factor does essentially is carry um, the, the, the pain sensation from the joints to the brain. So if you're using, if you're giving a dog an antibody against that particular chemical, then the dog may have joints that are producing this nerve growth factor, but the nerve growth factor has been eliminated. And so it doesn't get to the brain. So the dog doesn't feel the pain. And so basically um, you give an injection once a month, um, the 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 monoclonal antibodies in the Brella, in Libre, they, they they mop up all the nerve growth factor and your arthritic dog doesn't feel pain. Now, as well as that, there is some actual anti-inflammatory effect as well. Additionally, um, uh, because nerve growth factor promotes inflammation, so there's an extra extra aspect there as well. And I mean, the theory is one thing, but what is really remarkable is the practice. And what I mean by that is. Um, dogs that have been struggling around for years. Um, they've been given non-steroidal drugs and they've been held, but they're still struggling. They're given a couple of injections of, of this new product and they're just like new young dogs again. Really, it's, 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 it's rare for us to have a new drug that is like a miracle drug, but this one is like that. And there's a version for cats as well. It's called Silencia. Um, I, I have a 16-year-old cat who has really bad arthritis. And you know, um, and she, worse than that, she actually has kidney failure as well. So I can't give her the normal non drugs. So I was really, str- I was giving her just the glucosamine chondroitin sulphate, and I was giving her mackerel oil, and that was going to help, ha- helping her a bit. But she'd stopped going upstairs because, because, because she had painful joints, and she was hobbling around the place, and she was obviously in pain, and it was, it was, it was difficult to watch her. So she started on the, the once monthly injection of Silencio, and again, she's like it. A different cat, she's able to go upstairs again for the first time in years and she doesn't hobble anymore, she walks around normally. So, you know, um, these are prescription only on the only drugs, and, and they, 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 you know, that means you have to go to your vet, you have to confirm that your, your pet has the type of arthritis that this will work well with. Um, but if they do have it, then it's, it's fabulous, it's expensive. Um, um, uh, so, you know, you uh, let's say if you have a Labrador with arthritis might cost you 15 or 20 euros to to treat them with non-steroidal drugs every month 15 or 20 euros a month whereas um with um the monoclonal antibodies you're more likely to be i don't know 80 90 or 100 euros a month something like that so it's much more expensive but it is dramatically better for a lot of dogs and um and the side effects seem to be almost non existent, do you know? So anyway, that's just an example of, um, and I'm glad you brought it up because it's very new and it's very important for people to know about this to talk to the vet about it if they think their pet may may, may um, benefit from it.
0: That's incredible like, I just think in general the advances are there in like medicine, not just for humans but for dogs. Like mm. I recently been reading about Gregory Bones over in Emory University in the US who's doing so much, like, experiments over the last number of years, but like, dogs while their way through MRI scans and just measuring the amount of activity that's going on in their brains. You go back 20, 30 years, you wouldn't have thought, like, that any of this, I suppose, medical events would have been there for pets.
1: Yeah, no, it's, 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 there's no doubt that we can do so much more for pets now. I mean, the, the downside of it is that it, it makes... Um, going to the vet much more expensive because like 30 years ago with some problems you go to the vet and they would kind of say well you know I'm afraid there's not much we can do here um, you know your, your, your pet's life is, is limited whereas now though they say to you well you know we can we can do MRI scan we can uh, do complex um, spinal type surgery we, we, we may be able to fix this problem um, but you're gonna spend you know five, six, seven, eight thousand euros on doing that. Um, and so this is this this is the challenge to the, the science is that um it means that then people have a choice, but the choice often involves a lot of money, and um that's 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 uh, 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 can be can be difficult to write.
0: Absolutely, but even at that, like when you look at the amount of different pensions policies I don't know this like yeah. i i spoke with john from Tree vets here in Limick a number of weeks ago about yeah. uh different like uh pay insurance policies mm. and like i myself i have their pensions for Bruno because like he was young enough yeah. when i got us uh million when she came to us she was too old to actually be taken mm. on as a Seven well, years say, is usually the cut-off time. Yeah, yeah, she was about eight at that stage when she yeah. came to us, and like, but well, it's such a huge benefit to have it really pet is. insurance for your for your peace of mind.
1: Yeah, and uh, it basically, I, I, people tend to take out pet insurance in the hope that it's going to save them money. I don't know if it does. Say, on average, it doesn't save people money. It doesn't save money. You um, may be, it's kind of bizarre, in that. If you're unlucky, you know, your dog gets some awful problem, then you will save a lot of money because you know, um, you know, if your dog breaks a leg, and it's, you know, um, you wouldn't wish that in any dog. But if they do, you can afford the very best treatment because the insurance company is going to pay for it. But if your if your dog doesn't pay for it, doesn't break its leg, then you know, it's going to cost you every month, and you might never need it. But what it does buy you is peace of mind and that's the key thing people sometimes say to me well oh, why don't I just put the same amount uh, um, as the insurance premium in the bank every month and save it And then I got a war chest so I can pay for my pet stream when they need it and yes it is possible to do that but the, the, the downside of that is that it'll only work if you like if, if your pet has many years of, of of good health and then they get sick or have an accident but if you start to save up money and your dog breaks a leg when they're uh, a year and a half old. It's it's not it's not going to work. So I think um, and I think pet insurance it's it's not a it's not a high margin business to be in. And what I mean by that is that I think that it's a it's a fairly honest type business. In other words, they take everybody's money's in. Um, they take a markup. I don't know what it is. Whether it's five percent or ten percent. They take some of that money, um, but most of the money goes back towards um helping animals who need help so so let's say so you might pay 20 euros a month for your pet insurance um and you have to remember that that's not money which the company is just taking and having as profit they're probably taking two euros a month or something and having it as profit but 18 euros is genuinely being redistributed to to other pets that actually need it so you know i i i i i, I I think it's a great concept, and um, yes, it's expen- It can be expensive, but the point is that really good quality veterinary care is very expensive. There the just there aren't cheap ways of doing the exciting uh, um, latest medical investigations and treatments. You just can't do it cheaply uh, any more than you can in humans. Yeah, definitely agree. Now, Pete,
0: I suppose the last thing I want to talk to you about today is um, about it's something that. I've seen myself in dogs over the last but day, like with the rapid increase in climate change, like dogs have become more prone to like skin issues. And I suppose particularly like given in the last few years, dogs have become more
1: prone to skin disease. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if it's becoming more common than it used to be. It's always been a big issue. Skin disease has always been problematic. Um, so how um, would
0: okay, so what's like say
1: you have a dog with like skin infections
0: or with skin disease, what what's the best way to for one to deal with it?
1: Well, I what I'd say to people is that the best answer is to go to Pet Fix Club and look up skin mm. disease and you'll discover really detailed explanations of all this stuff because it is quite complex, but then again it's also very logical and straightforward. So you've got a dog that's got itchy skin. You go to your vet. Now, often what the vet may do is simply say, well, we're going to give your pet some medication to stop the skin being itchy. Because often if a dog gets itchy skin, they start to scratch themselves. By scratching themselves, they actually make it worse. They damage the skin with their claws and by nibbling it. So if the vet gives medication to take away the itchiness, then your pet will stop itching in many cases. And if they stop itching, then the skin will get better. And then that's the job done then so so often vets may do that as a first in, as a first approach but if the skin comes back again being itchy a second time then that's when you really need to investigate things so how do you investigate skin disease well the first thing vets would do is they would rule out parasites fleas are incredibly common even if you don't see fleas fleas can cause itchiness under the surface you just in a hidden way so ruling out parasites not just fleas but also mites and, and these days, it's done very easily by oral medication. Give a dog; we can give a dog a tablet, and we know that it's going to eliminate fleas. It's going to eliminate the different types of mites that dogs can get. So it's quite straightforward to rule out parasites. So that's the first thing we would do. We would often also want to rule out food allergy. Food allergy probably causes something like twenty percent of itchy dogs. Twenty percent, and there's no test for that. There's no no effective blood test food allergy in dogs the only way you can diagnose it is by putting them on a trial diet and that means giving them um i mean allergies are to proteins and so what you have to do is you have to give a dog a diet with very restricted proteins for a period of about six weeks and you can do that by using if you like a, a home cooked type approach you might use proteins the dog's never had before such as mutton and potato something like that um, or you can use commercial so-called hydrolyzed diets these are diets that have been pre-digested so they don't contain any protein chains that can cause an allergy whichever way you decide to do it you put them on a food trial for about six weeks and they have, must have nothing but the special diet if it's food allergy they'll stop itching completely and you can then try them with different diets to see what they can tolerate so that's so ruling out parasites Doing a food trial that will often be the first thing that, that a vet will do, um, and what they will then do after that it gets more complicated, um, and um, they may take skin scrapes, they may take a skin biopsy um, to have it analysed in the laboratory to, to actually see under the microscope, you know what sort of changes are happening at the microscopic level in the skin, um, and um, or they might give trial therapies. They might. Um, there's a very very common problem called atopy which is um essentially uh, allergies to dusts and pollens and that's very common um and one of the ways it's diagnosed is simply by giving and uh, there's a there's like a number of criteria and one of them is um response to anti-inflammatory medication in other words you give the medication they get better and then stop the medication they get worse again then then that's one of the keys to making the diagnosis and if they have atopy then um that's an allergy to dust and pollens, you can't remove dust and pollens from the from the from around the dog, you can't do that. So, you have to give them this. There's two approaches to treatment. One of them is long term anti inflammatory medication, and people will be familiar with that. That's like your dog basically having a tablet, um, every day or every second day forever, or possibly an injection once a month forever. Um, but the other way of doing it is what's called hyposensitization or immunotherapy, where you, you actually do another type of test to find out what your which pollens exactly, which dusts exactly are causing the allergy. And then you give a very diluted version of that to your dog regularly, once a month, forever. And that desensitizes them. And the problem with that is it only works well in around 50 to 70% of dogs. Um, and it's quite expensive. So we don't, vets don't tend to rush to do that because it's, you know, because it, like if it was 99% it's, uh, successful, we do it all the time. But because of the relatively low efficacy, we don't tend to um, use it as much as as, as as people might think we would. So there you go in a nutshell. But like skin disease is huge. It's a massive problem. And that's why I've written about it and done videos about it so much on Pet Fix Club, because, you know, understanding it is, is the key, understanding why your pet's itching in the first place. And yeah,
0: I like I know myself, like even from John and someone both Millie and Bruno, like they had, they both had to go on uh, anti-inflammatory tablets because they, yeah. they both, are, uh, I believe, what they were at that time, like was it was an allergic reaction to whatever pollen or whatever was in the air, and yeah. like the tablets cleared it up. But yes, like, that's not always going to be the case either.
1: Yeah, it's well, it's it's often it's a seasonal problem, so there'd be some dogs that would need these tablets maybe for May, June, July, August, September, and then a fine in the winter. So, you know, it depends. So, Pete, mm-hmm. like, what's the plan now
0: going forward for Pet Club?
1: Well, basically, we launched last November, and it's it's, it's been a very interesting sort of process. Um, it's like any other startup, in a sense, that what you do is you, you have an idea for something that you, you hope is going to bring value to people, um, and you put it out on the market, and you see how people react to it, and um, and that's known as your first iteration. In other words, it's, it's your idea put out to the world. But then what happens is um, the world responds to that, and so you discover very quickly what people like and what they don't like so much. And so then what you do is you, you 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 focus on developing the things that they like, and you don't worry so much about the things that didn't really work. So that's the stage that we're at, and over the next four to four to eight weeks we're relaunching uh, with a slightly different approach with different emphasis um, and the website will be different as well and that's going to reflect what people have really enjoyed. And so when people go to it, they'll go, oh, right, there's more of that. And, oh, yeah, I can see that now. And so that's the idea. And probably there'll be many iterations over the years as well as we gradually discover what really works. And I would also say that very much for us, Ireland is the pilot market. In other words, we're, we're finding out what pet owners generally like and what they want um, by working with people in Ireland. But once we've done that, once we've uh, uh, evolved it to a stage that we're really, really happy, that we're ticking everybody's boxes, then we'll be looking further afield. And in fact, in, um, in December, one of the exciting things that I'm doing is I'm going to, to speak at a conference on um, innovative pet care in Boston, in the US. Um, where I'll be talking about our experiences with Petfix and comparing and contrasting with other similar types of services that are available in the US and indeed in other countries. Because one of the really exciting things about the internet is that it's global. So that, you know, if, if I've put a website up, people in Ireland can go to it, but so can people anywhere in the world um, at any time at all. And, you know, the mission for, for Petfix is to provide high-quality vetting information to everywhere, to, to everyone everywhere all the time at a good price, and that's what we'll try. That's our aim is to do, and everywhere means everywhere, literally. Um, and I have to say, like, one for me, one of the really exciting aspects of it is when I help somebody who who's living in, in in the Philippines and and their cat's seriously unwell and they can't even find a vet. That to me is you know to be able to help them makes a huge difference to me, and I really value that. And you know, there was a horse. Of all things on a, on a remote island in Fiji, they have a really big problem. Now, horses aren't my main thing at all, but nonetheless, um, you know, when somebody's in trouble with an animal, um, and they can't get to a vet at all, then you certainly can help them.
0: That's fantastic, and I'd say going to Boston, like getting back to like face to face, uh, like sessions, conferences. I know we were meant to You've be doing this face-to-face ourselves today, like we uh, were mm. meant to be coming to Dublin, but unfortunately the thing I was
1: going to was cancelled. But,
0: mm. like, it must be, like, a great sense in one way of returning to somewhat normality. Uh,
1: yes, I mean, we're coming out of COVID, and it's great to be able to... We're having people back in the concert rooms now in, in the clinic. I, I, I mean, we've managed to work very well with the systems that we developed but still, it's not the same. And the best thing is to, to be in a, in a room with an owner, examining the animal with them, talking to them at the time. It works the best. And yeah, we're all happy that that's coming back on stream. All right, Pete.
0: So if people want to find Petfix Club, what's the URL for them to go to?
1: It's petfixclub.com. Or you can just go to petfix.com either. Um, Pet and you're, Petfix on, you're on Instagram and Facebook as well? I am indeed. Well, we are indeed. Yes, yeah.
0: that's fantastic. Listen, Pete Wedderburn, aka Pete Devet. Thank you ever so much once again for joining me on the Big Bark. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today.
1: Thank you, Dara. It's been fun. The Big Bark. Listen up, dog owners. It's for you. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host, Dara Burke, and canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie, The Big Bark. With bills to pay and debt piling up, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Personal loans through NetCredit can
0: provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track financially if eligible. Our secure application process allows you to customize the terms that work for you and your budget. So check your eligibility today without affecting your credit score and help get your finances back on track. NetCredit, a more personal, personal loan. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member
1: of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information.